Welcome to the Lore Ladies, two bookish besties working in the animation industry. We are your hosts, Laura and Lauren, known collectively as the Lores. Join us as we talk all things nerdy and entertainment. We discuss books, movies, animated shows, and we'll have occasional guest stars such as talented folks from our industry and authors of your next favorite book. So today I'm very excited to welcome Katie Zaber to the podcast. Welcome, Katie. Thank you for having me. We're so glad to have you on the Lore Ladies. Excited to be here. Yeah, so um, Katie and I actually have been talking recently about martial arts and using martial arts as a way to inform our fight scenes in our writing. So I wanted to talk to you further about that, Katie. What kind of martial arts do you practice? I just started getting back into ninjutsu, Japanese martial arts. Last weekend was my first weekend back since last summer. I had to take a break because of COVID over the winter and fall, just, you know, just as a precaution, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Besides that, you know, you learn about the stances, about some techniques. I mean, I've never fought before, so this is all new to me. <laughs> I've never used any techniques or any martial arts before, so it's brand new, but I think it's very important to my writing. As I continue the Dahlia series, there's going to be more fighting scenes. I definitely have more sword fights planned out and definitely a lot more action scenes. So I think it's really important. And they actually teach that here. It's a dojo that I'm attending. So I'm excited to start doing that eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Adding weapons. Very cool. Yeah. Dangerous. (laughs) Dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dangerous. Um, I think it's going to take like a year before they allow a sword in my hands. But <laughs> I'd be wor- more worried about like myself with the sword than anyone else. <laughs> Just be like whipping it around. A... <laughs> I think even before I get a sharpened sword, I get like a wooden one. So smart. <laughs> like baby steps up the way. Makes sense. No, I did get to uh, toss some stars the other uh, a few nights ago. So that was fun. Ooh. Oh wow. How cool. Did you have like a target to hit? Was there like some sort of target you were trying to? Um, They had a Tahami mat just kind of set up against the wall. So I was just kind of just trying to hit like the Tahami mat, which was, you know, as big as me. So it was a fairly large target. I only got it to stick a few times, but I was was proud of this a couple times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never really, I trained... Uh, So I did several years of Krav Maga, and I trained more in how to disarm a person rather than to wield a weapon myself or how to turn an everyday object into a weapon. That is something that they they focus on a lot is like born identity, like turning a pen into like a stabbing instrument is uh, is definitely something that you learn in Krav Maga. Lauren, but, I feel yeah. like you're one of those people that, like, no matter the topic, you're like, oh, I've trained many years in that. Or, like, <laughs> oh, I, I did that in my youth. And it's, like, it's so interesting. It just Krav Maga. Yeah, I've never done anything. So this is all very fascinating. I've watched other people do martial arts. The end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. I mean, I wouldn't say that I was, like, really good or anything like that but I definitely learned a lot about like you were saying Katie's stances and um how to position yourself and use your body to its and that's something that I included in my book in Veilborn with how Carenza teaches Lily how to fight she's like well you're a female so you've got to use your body 
where your strengths are because it's different you know like a guy has a lot more upper body strength oh yeah it's completely different how we have to like bend and move and do all sorts of things like you it's just not the same (laughs) yeah and also including because remember how we were talking the other day like how sore you were it's important to include the effects of doing that you're gonna get sore i just can now sit without going <laughs> like I was just having to drop down into the seat before because I just I couldn't actually sit. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I would always get shin splints really bad. Mm. You know, like from moving forward and back and like parrying motions. Even though I wasn't using a sword, you get from lifting up your foot and then backing up. You inherently get that soreness along your shins. My biggest problem is my knees into the thighs. I, that whole that whole area just gets so inflamed. <laughs> just, ah, my knees are no good. So what is your current writing project about? DNA, Demons and Angels, is about a woman named Evie who mysteriously gets pregnant, tried her best to prevent this with her husband, and even he even got a vasectomy, but still she ends up becoming pregnant. She ends up doing a DNA test and finds out that he is not the father and that she is the only provider of DNA, like that that's it. Scientists start wanting to, her doctors start really nosying in on her, trying to really study her and it kind of freaks her out and anxious about it all and takes a little road trip. On this road trip, she meets a man named Lucas and she kind of falls heavy for him. (laughs) And during this time, they kind of bum around. She travels around with him a little bit. He tells her that he works for hotels and just kind of tours the country a little bit and has a little bit of a vacation, a little mini break during her second trimester before uh, things just keep getting more and more weird. Every time she's around like a group of people, sometimes a person will become possessed. She doesn't know why. She doesn't know how this is happening, but possessions just keep popping up whenever she's around, whenever people are around her. And it kind of gets just crazier and builds from there. I would say it's like a sci-fi, fantasy, paranormal-ish kind of, it's kind of like a combination. (laughs) I'm hoping to have it come out August, maybe September right now. I might be getting pushed back to September, but I would like to come out August if possible. That's exciting. I my I was reading um, your book and I just loved the tagline on the cover. I was like, that is brilliant. What to expect when you're expecting something different. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. That's like chef's kiss for me. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I really, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah, it's about scientists doing experiments on her, and it's also about demons and angels and a possibility that Antichrist or maybe a new Jesus being reborn, <laughs> you know, the birth of a new Jesus. But ultimately, it's a book about pregnancy, and about a woman's pregnancy and her journey during the whole 40 weeks or starts at five weeks up until birth. But, you know, during that whole time period, it's really just about what she goes through. And yeah, it, it's much, you know, my one friend is pregnant right now and actually expecting any day. <laughs> to go oh no, is it going to be an angel or a demon? <laughs> <laughs> she's been uh, my first beta reader for this. Oh. And she's been helping me out with so much of this that I'm like, hmm, I'd love to dedicate this to her son, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not quite certain how she feels about that right now. It's right. a possible Antichrist pregnancy book. <laughs> <laughs> or he could be an angel. I mean, we don't know, right? We don't know. I mean, 50, 50. the mother yeah. really thinks that it's in her hands, that she could definitely mold a child, that the fate is, or, you know, them saying that this child's destined to be the Antichrist or destined to be the next Jesus or anything like that. She has the power to really mold and take care of this child and really make sure that it's not evil in the end. All right, Katie. So uh, I haven't read any of your books, so I'm really excited. Uh, a, where did your inspiration for your new book come from? I'm assuming you did not have a demon pregnancy, but, you know, no, no pressure if you did. Uh. <laughs> no, thankfully not. Uh, nope, uh, that's not in my cards, but it's actually one of my nightmares, <laughs> believe it or not. After seeing the movie Alien at like a young age, mm -hmm. and just seeing the alien pop out of the person's chest, I didn't even know whose chest it was, but just all of that just scarred me for life. Mm. And I decided that I was never, just nope. But really DNA is kind of like my nightmare, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of was like, okay, kind of, it's just a constant kind of nightmare, like in the back of my head. And just, it ends up being the story that I ends up writing from that. I can definitely relate to that because um, I feel like dreams can inspire our writing, but also nightmares can. Like I had a major death sequence in my first book that came from a nightmare. I was like, all right, brain, you're going to make me have this awful dream. I'm going to use it. And I'm going to put it in my store and make it awesome. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> because yeah, inspiration can come from all around, you know, it can come from wonderful, exciting, beautiful things, but it can also come from very dark things. And it's a good way for us to, as writers, to deal with those thoughts, those feelings, those, the dark places that we can go. We can just spill it on the page. It's very much like our own therapy. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Like you get it out. Like I feel a little weight lifted. Like I'm not having the ring nightly that I'm mysteriously pregnant because that's what was happening for a little bit there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> All right. What about your Dahlia series? Um, yeah. What inspired you to uh, write that? So have you ever heard the song Lord of the Dance? It's like a... Catholic religious -y song. Um, I don't know how it came into my head. Uh, I was in between surgeries. I had a accident at work. I ended up having a bunch of spinal problems with that. Okay, now, but uh, in between surgeries was when I was writing it. I'm going to blame the medication. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I must have heard the song passing and then uh, it came sinister in my head. And so something light and religious of like uplifting, it was a thing destroying a kingdom and just laughing and dancing as he destroyed people's lives and burned down villages and just destroyed everything. And that's kind of where it started from. And I wanted it to be a book about his end, but I didn't want it in his perspective. So that's how I went with Megan <laughs> <laughs> and her friends. Um, it took me about four or five drafts to get to where I wanted it to be and really work to it. Um, but that series is interesting. I really like it. Uh, it starts off like an almost an Alice in Wonderland. They just see a tree in front of them while they're walking down a path. Four girls on their way to like have a picnic in the woods. It's a mysterious tree. They don't know where it is. And then all of a sudden the whole environment around them just starts to morph. And then they totally understand they are no longer on Earth and they don't know what the hell is happening anymore. And that's where it takes off. Uh, from there, 
they get into a village nearby, they get some help, they meet some new friends, um, cousins who actually disappears about 10 years before Megan disappeared from Earth is there. So she's starting to piece together, like, what the hell's happening? What is all connecting me, you? Like, what does our family have to do with this world? Like, why the hell are we here? <laughs> so she starts to kind of piece stuff together, and she's trying to. And then uh, one night, where she ends up is a heavily human-populated area. There's no other beings there. But on this planet, there's Faye, there's Cyrene, and Ambutha. All these different species of humans uh, that are all living here, but in this one little corner of the world, it's very quiet, so they really don't hear too much. The King's Knight is sent to fetch Megan. She wakes up afterwards, being taken and kidnapped in this beautiful palace all of a sudden. <laughs> and then she starts to figure out more why she's there, and it just kind of slowly trickles from there. And it's a huge world. Um, tons of possibility it just it's getting bigger and bigger <laughs> that sounds so ambitious for a debut novel and you said it took four or five drafts how was the process of writing that for you uh well the first draft like i said i was kind of still on medication so it was kind of a real funny one <laughs> and i was just kind of okay that doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense okay i like this that was left like a chunk and then I started building from there. And then actually that second draft is kind of close to this draft, except for that I ended up killing off a character completely. I decided that it was just not moving the story forward. This character was leaving it stuck. It just wasn't, it wasn't helping the main character having a love interest in that start. It just mm -hmm. wasn't. And I think that she, Megan needed time to evolve and get used to this world. and. And just jumping into a relationship as how I had first written it in that second draft is I had a I had to kill the guy. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> Completely gone. No and shame. Oh no, no, he's dead. Gone. He's a tiny little brat at the end of it. I was hmm, no. <laughs> So I ended up just killing him and I kept on going and going back into it and just kept going and then uh the next thing I knew, I was sort of plotting out the second book while I was still writing the first one. And then I was like, oh, from the second book, then they should go into here. Then the third book, and then the fourth. And then now I'm about like about, the fifth book could be separated into five and six books. It could be. It depends on just where, how far it all evolves. But yeah, I, I really do have the series kind of outlined in a way to even where I even have like a side projects <laughs> that I'm thinking of going off from this. That's amazing. Congrats. That's huge. Thanks. It is huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of, I feel like it's so big and I'm, I don't have enough time to do it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Oh, I can completely mm -hmm. relate. <laughs> like the project just is, it seems so big and I'm like, I just, I just want like three of me to write it out, <laughs> to get it going. Yeah. Uh, something my editor said once. It my editor, David Martin Linz, just had his debut novel come out, Skull Valley, and he was asked at his book launch party, will you ever run out of ideas? And he responded, oh no, I will run out of time before I run out of ideas. And I really related to that because I know that with my own series, I keep having more and more ideas and then more ideas for other series. And I have to stay on point because I have 
other things coming up. Laura and I have our novella set that we're going to be starting working on in July. And so I have to keep things in realistic perspective of what I can actually do with my time and what I can accomplish. But that's the exciting thing about being a writer. I feel like once you start writing, more and more ideas keep springboarding. Oh, it could go here. It could go we could do this. We've got this whole world built and all of these stories that can unfold from it. Very true. Uh, today, actually, while I was going over something in DNA, uh, originally I had only planned DNA to just be one book. Now I have it planned out as two. And then I wrote something in there that if I do plan on making a third one, now I could kind of like Easter egg. I was like, "Mm, maybe I should. (laughs) Yeah, I'll do it just in case. (laughs) Why not? Why not? Yeah. Uh, And now it could be three or four books (laughs) building and snowballing. I mean, that's great though. I imagine that's what you, what should be happening as, you know, dig deeper your development and you're seeing all these potential arcs and like I think it's a sign of a good story right that it doesn't just end like no one believes that at the end of a book series the characters just stuck right I think that's pretty writing if that's the case and you're like okay and that's fine the end and close the book uh so that's that's all a good sign I think so all the I I agree it's like like you've said before Laura about like imagining them going on continuing their life even though the the book is ended those fictional characters are still very real and they're living their life somewhere mm-hmm. plus i i get attached to these fictional characters it's like when a when a book is over and it's like particularly if it's a really long series like um last series and then it ended i was like well all my friends are dead that's it I was so sad. It was like a book hangover, you know? (laughs) It's weird. Like one of the characters in Dahlia that I really like, she's on a main. She's not anywhere near that, but I love her so much. I want a side story with her. I could see her like, not now, but in 10 years as a different, how she's grown and everything. I I could just see something really, really interesting coming from her. Because I do find I've found in a lot of the books I've read recently that, like, the characters, there's, like, a real, like, gray area where the side characters sometimes can become more interesting than the main characters or get more exciting because they don't have this pressure to, like, hold the story. So they have really just have their own personalities, where right? We all have you sort of, like, you know, track, track vision for the main characters in the plot. Um, Lauren's novel that like I love one of her side characters almost as much as I love Lily not quite as much maybe I don't know ask me a different day but um, (laughs) I think that's really cool you know they have so much more freedom in some ways than I think the main characters do very their own series now I'm curious which character you're referring to Um, we'll find out I'll tell you later (laughs) or maybe I won't (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's almost like the responsibilities are lifted off those main characters so they're just free of that and they can just do whatever like they don't have to deal with all the main character has so they're just free mm-hmm. it, it, it is interesting to see how they react differently to what's not 
directly affecting them sometimes even. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for stopping by the Lore Ladies. We are so glad that you joined us today. And where again can we find your books? Thank you for having me. Um, my books are all on Amazon and on Amazon Kindle. Um, and you can find uh, information at my website, zaberbooks.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for thank you for having me. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening today, Lore Lovers. Remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so that we can keep bringing you excellent podcast episodes to your wanting ear holes. Stop by our websites. We are www.laurahlhoman.com and www.laurenpetrazilka.com. Be sure to also stop by Katie's website. That is www.zaberbooks.com. Follow her newsletter. And be sure to also pre-order her book, DNA, which is now open on Amazon. Thanks for listening. Now go spread your love of lore and read a book.